Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. So this year we've been going through the Word together. We've got, we handed out a reading plan at the beginning of the year. And if you still need one of those, let's let somebody know. We will get you a copy. We've still got some at some of the doors. And if we run out, we'll, we can always make more. But as a church, we'll be going through the Word together. And last week we looked at this really interesting character named Samson and how Samson's life story was, was characteristic of the book of Judges. And during that period of history, God's people just drifted farther and farther and farther away from Him. But they were governed by these leaders or these judges that were, that were very imperfect. And we have this recurring phrase all throughout the book of Judges that says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did as he pleased. Or basically everybody did what they wanted to. And that's how the book of Judges actually comes to an end. And so in time, God raises up yet another judge who is actually a prophet as well. We forget that about Samson. He was a prophet and a judge, not Samson, but Samuel. And Samuel is, it was a godly man. And when Samuel gets older, he appoints his two sons to be judges over Israel. However, they were not godly men. And so the elders of Israel come to Samuel and say, listen, basically, we don't want your sons to be ruling over us. Give us a king. We want to be like all the other nations of the earth. We want a king to rule over us, to judge us. And so uh, Samuel tried to tell them all the things that a king can do. We've seen this all throughout history, right? How a tyrannical king can oppress the people, what he can take from the people uh, if he behaves like a tyrant. But still, the people wanted a king, even though God himself was supposed to be their king. And so the people chose this man by the name of Saul to be the first king of Israel. He was the people's king. But in time, God would reject Saul as king for his disobedience and raise up his own king, a king whose throne, the Bible says, would last forever, who was unlike Saul and the others, whose greatest strengths come from their physical attributes, while this man's greatest strengths comes from his heart, which is what we're talking about this morning, a boy who would become a man and a king. After God's own heart. We're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16 this morning. Looking at uh, the introductory passage to a man by the name of David. David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And we read his story this morning. and, And we wonder why would God choose this man? And if God would choose this man, how can God use me and my life to serve him? So 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 1 says this. says, The Lord said to Samuel... How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I've selected for myself a king from his sons. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord answered, take a young cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate to you. Samuel did what the Lord directed and went to Bethlehem. 
And when the elders of the town met him, they trembled and asked, Do you come in peace? We'll talk about that in a minute. In peace, he replied, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shema, but Samuel said, The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. And after Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel asked him, Are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, he answered. But right now he's tending the sheep. Samuel told Jesse, Send for him. We won't sit down until to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy, handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, Anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day forward. Then Samuel set out and went to Ramah. So again, King Saul, the people's king, was disobedient to God. As God had done in the past, God told his people, as he had done throughout this whole conquest, kill all of these enemies, destroy everything that they have, And Saul is disobedient. He allows the people to bring back some of the best that their enemies have. He actually brings King Agag back alive, kind of as a trophy. And God rejects him and sends Samuel to confront the king's disobedience and tell him that God has rejected him as king. And the Bible actually says, this is incredible, that Samuel the prophet actually hacked King Agag to death before the Lord. Wow. This is why you should read your Bible. It's fascinating. And so this is why I think when Samuel comes to Bethlehem, the people of Bethlehem are like, hey, Samuel, do you come in peace or not? Are you going to hack us to death or are you here to do something for the Lord? So anyway, God sends Samuel to Bethlehem to find God's king because God's king and God's solution to man's problems always comes from Bethlehem, doesn't it? And so he teaches Samuel and the people just what kind of person it is that he's looking for. Just what kind of person it is that God can use in great ways. And it's not always the best looking. Thank God for that. It's not always the most senior or the most talented. It's not always the, the oldest. So God passes over all of Jesse's sons, as impressive as many of them were, until he gets down to the, the very baby boy whom Jesse hadn't even brought in from the field out there tending sheep. And God chooses this. This boy to be the next king over the nation of Israel. And what we learn later in Scripture is that this boy will not only be a great king, he'll not only do great things for the nation of Israel and do great things for the Lord, but the Bible says that he will become a man and a king after God's own heart. And that's why God chooses David to be the next king. And so my thought for us this morning is what does that mean? We say that about David and we've heard that before, but what does it mean to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? A person that God can use in a great way. And the first thing we learn from David is that I must obey God's ways. 
You see, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts tells us that after removing Saul, God made David their king and said, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And this is what he says. He will do everything that I want him to do. In other words, he will be completely obedient to me. And David had this incredible faith. He would not only, he wouldn't be a perfect man. I mean, we all know David's story, right? David was anything but perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But still, he would be obedient to God when God would ask him to do something. And very quickly in Scripture, we learn that David was a man of great faith. He wholeheartedly trusted God and was obedient to God and was willing to do whatever it was that God asked him to do. If you flip over to the very next chapter in 1 Samuel 17, one of the neatest chapters in the Bible, David the shepherd boy to be king, will faithfully stand before this giant named Goliath, the one that no other man in Israel would confront. Now, now just wrap your mind around that for a minute. No other man in the entire nation would go and, and fight the giant of the Philistines except for this boy who has this faith in God and boldly stands before him and says, Listen, my God will deliver me from you today. The God of Israel. And he recognized in that passage that God had been preparing him for that moment in his life to stand before the giant and slay the giant. He said that, that God delivered me from the bear. God delivered me from the lion. And I believe if God did those things for me, God's going to deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And that's exactly what God did. Now for us, we need to be completely obedient to God, not just in the big things, not just in the giant slaying moments, but even in the small things. The problem is that far too many Christians will spend a, a, a lot of their lives just sitting around waiting for this, this giant slaying moment. When, and we don't ever fight the lions and the bears. We don't ever allow God to prepare us. So when that giant killing moment comes in life, we're either one, not prepared, or maybe God doesn't even give us that opportunity in the first place because we weren't even faithful in the small things. People want to serve God in big ways, and I get that. But maybe we should start by helping out around the church, grabbing a broom, grabbing a mop, maybe, maybe coming to Sunday school faithfully, maybe coming to worship faithfully, maybe opening our Bibles daily and spending time in prayer daily and be faithful in the little things and obedient in the little things so that God can trust us with giants and even bigger things. I mentioned opening your Bible daily. That's the second thing we learn from David is I, I must not only obey God's ways, but I must love God's word. Not only did David love God's word, but David wrote a great portion of God's word. Out of the 150 Psalms, most people think that David wrote more than half of those. And a large portion of the Old Testament is dedicated to the narrative of David's life. And the Psalms capture these different parts of David's life, his successes, his failures, his worship. Many times throughout the Psalms, David personally discusses, discusses his love for God's word. He talks about how he loves and delights in God's law, how he loves God's commands. He talks about how he meditates on them. He talks about how blessed people are who keep God's statutes and God's decrees. And we as Baptists, we claim to be people of the book, right? We claim to be people that love God's Word, that love our Bibles. And I believe that many people truly do love God's Word. But for those of us who claim to love God's Word, how many can actually say that we've read it cover to cover? 
How many, even beyond that, if you have read it cover to cover, can say that you're allowing it to penetrate your heart and your mind and actually shape who you are in Christ even today? Last year, the Barna Group reported on the state of the Bible in the United States and found that 11% of U.S. adults read the Bible daily. So basically, one in ten people do pick up the Bible and read it every day. They also found that 42% of U.S. adults crack it open once a year or never at all. So almost half of adult Americans are never cracking the Bible open throughout the year. That's troubling. But the good news is that more people are trending toward what Barna calls being Bible engaged, or at least open to the idea of allowing the Word to affect their lives. Now, if we want to be, here's the point, if we want to be people after God's own heart, and we want to allow uh, God's heart to be reflected in our lives, and we want to be men and women that, that, that resemble what God's heart looks like, we have to, there's no way around it. We have to be engaged in God's Word. You're not going to, to grow exponentially apart from being in the Word of God. And that's why we push the reading plans and why we push Sunday school and why we push the D groups. And we have all these ways to get engaged in the word because at the end of the day, we're simply not going to grow unless we're in the word until the word gets into us and changes who we are. We have to love the word of God. The third thing we learn from David is I must give God worship. I love all the different stories of David worshiping God. I love the Psalms that David writes about praising and loving and worshiping the Lord. And David's life, you know, apart from being an extraordinary man, he had a very normal life. It was a life filled with ups and downs and highs and lows and successes and failures and triumphs and tragedies. And a lot of this is captured in Scripture. And through every circumstance in life, David never fails to acknowledge God and give God glory. He offers praise to God regardless of the situation that he found himself in. And even in those moments of despair, some of the darkest moments of David's life, when he's he's questioning God, God, have you forgotten me? God, why did you let this happen to me? He always comes back around as he wrestles with his emotions to acknowledging how good God is and offering him praise simply for being God. There's a lot of times we'll go through life and we'll go through these periods that I don't know exactly why they happen, but they're just spiritually dry spells, right? We've all been there. We get in a slump and and sometimes we can pray our way out of it. Sometimes we can read read the Bible to get us out of it. But, you know, more often than not, The best way to get out of that slump is to praise your way out of it, to worship God out of it. Yeah, spending time in the Word is a must. Yeah, spending time in prayer and communication with your Father is a must. But there's a couple of reasons that we have to worship God continually. If you're not worshiping God, you're doing everything else right, but you're not worshiping God, then your spiritual life is going to be out of balance. And when you worship God, it works because, first of all, He's God and He deserves to be worshipped no matter what. But secondly, it takes your focus off of you. It takes your focus off of your problem and your circumstance and puts it back on the Lord. Now, if you're going and everything's good in life, worship's good too because it takes the glory off of you as you focus on your success and puts it back on God the Father. So we have to live lives of worship, not just on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, it has to penetrate everything that we do, be a part of everything that we are. We were created to worship God. 
And lastly, we learn from David that I must accept God's warnings. I said that David was anything but perfect, right? As you go through your reading and you study the life of David, you're going to be forced to admit this, this incredible man was an adulterer, a liar, a womanizer. We could even say he's a murderer. David sinned far too often for most of us to be comfortable with being a hero in the Bible. But still, when David was confronted with his sin, I think this is what separates, set David apart. David always repented. When David really fell into probably the worst sin of his life, God sends a man by the name of Nathan to confront David. And David, in all of his power, could have responded the exact wrong way. I mean, he could have told Nathan, hey man, go mind your own business. He could have killed Nathan uh, as a king and just gotten rid of him. But David took God's warning and he listened to what Nathan had to say. And he acknowledged his sin before God and he repented of that sin. And that's captured in Psalm 51. And David says, have mercy on me, O God. He says, blot out my transgression. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And I think above everything else, that's the kind of heart that we have to have. If we're going to have a heart after God's own heart, a heart that's not hardened because of our sin, one that's humble enough to admit our wrongs and to turn to God in repentance and to truly have remorse over our sinfulness, a God after a heart after God's own heart. Now, the Bible says that David's throne would be one that would last forever and ever. And God would eventually send one out of David's own lineage who was very much like David except that he had everything that David lacked. As great as David was, David was still one of these imperfect saviors that we talked about last week. But God would send Jesus, and that's what we're celebrating this week, who was fully obedient to God the Father. He loved God's Word and delighted in God's law. He worshiped God the Father. But here's the thing about Christ is He never needed to repent. Because he never had any sin to repent from. And as we enter into Holy Week, for me, this is such a great reminder. Again, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be called, become the righteousness of God. And as we celebrate this week, this is all wonderful, wonderful stuff. And and just to think about Jesus entering into the city, uh, not the city of David, but coming out of the city of David and entering into the city of Jerusalem that week and and, and people praising Him and shouting Hosanna. But this morning, I want you to think about your own heart for just a minute. Think about your life and think about, okay, am I truly obedient to God? Not just in the big stuff. and I'm not just sitting around waiting for my giant moment to come, but am I being obedient to God even in the small things? Am I cracking open my Bible every day, spending time in God's Word, praying and and communicating with my Heavenly Father? Do I love His Word? Do I truly love it? Not just love it in the fact that I love to learn it, but I'm allowing His Word to to pierce my heart and change who I am and and renew my mind. Am am I worshiping God? Am I giving God the glory that he, He deserves Outside of my circumstance in life, but giving him glory just because he is almighty God. And am I handling my sin appropriately 
when I'm confronted with it. When the Holy Spirit, when I get into the Word and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're deficient here. Am I turning from that in repentance and turning toward God in obedience? More important than anything else, I want you to ask yourself if you really do know Jesus this morning. I'm so excited next week to come together and celebrate his, not just his death and his sacrifice, but celebrate his resurrection, his triumph over sin and the grave. And I want you to be thinking about this week. Do you truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Let's stand together this morning as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us, God, just to worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for our wonderful choir that led us in praise and worship this morning. God, thinking back 2,000 years as the people waved palm branches and shouted Hosanna and just praised Jesus, Lord. But God, in that moment, I'm afraid that many of them were asking to be saved from something other than what they needed to be saved from. They thought they needed to be saved from life circumstances, saved from Roman oppression or whatever the case may be. And today, Lord, we ask you to save us from so many things and we desire that. But God, the greatest need we have is to be saved from our sin. We need our hearts to be changed. And God, this morning, I pray that if we're deficient in any area of our life, whether it's in obedience or worship or spending time in your word, God, whatever the case may be, God, I pray that you would help us to to have a new heart a heart that's more like your own heart. God, that we can love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength this morning. And God, if there's someone that does not know you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray you give them the faith and the courage, Lord, to make that life-changing decision. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we sing a song of invitation, you're welcome to to come and, and to pray this morning or If there's something you need to talk about, why don't you come as we sing, I Surrender All. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.